The 2022 ACB Virtual DC Leadership Meetings will be held Saturday, March 12th through Tuesday, March 15th. Registration is $20 for ACB members and $30 for non-members. ACB members were sent a discount code via email. If you are an ACB member and did not receive the discount code, please call the Minneapolis office at 612-332-3242. Registration closes March 9. Visit acb.org for more information or register at https slash slash tinyurl.com slash 2022-DC-Leadership-Meetings. Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. All right. Thank you. Uh, I hope everyone can hear me. I'm Diane Scalzi, and I'm the Zoom host for this afternoon. I want to welcome you to our uh, Apple presentation. And the topic will be, what's wrong with my internet? Uh, and Matt, Matthew Valbrecht from the TTJ Tech team is here with um, several other instructors. So, um, Matthew, I will turn it over to you. And, oh, let me know, um, when do you want me to go over the commands? Do you want me to do that when we take questions? Yeah, I think that makes sense. Whenever we're ready to actually take questions, we can do it then if that's good for you. Yeah, that's fine. All right. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. And welcome, everybody. Thanks so much. We're glad to have all of you here. Certainly appreciate that. And uh, we are basically, uh, as, as Diane said, uh, we're going to talk about kind of all things Internet today. You know, th- this is a popular question uh, that we get, and it's vitally important. Uh, you know, people wonder why their Internet speed is slow or if they have if they're getting the best Internet, you know, that they could possibly get what they can do to improve Wi-Fi coverage. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. I am joined by uh by trainer cliff and trainer rita from the team welcome guys I, i'm not sure if sarah or lynn will be here today but i glad to have uh glad to have rita and cliff so uh you know it was actually the ceo of comcast who made the statement that wi-fi is the digital oxygen is the oxygen of the digital age basically the oxygen of the digital home and, uh, you know, he, he gave the example, he said, if my hot water goes out, it might take me a couple hours to realize that I don't have hot water. But he said, if I lose Wi-Fi, I'll know it in about eight seconds, you know. Um, and, and there's a lot of truth to that uh, in many cases, I think. Uh, it's, it, today, I don't have to explain to you how important uh, good, reliable Internet and Wi-Fi are. So I'm not going to waste time insulting your intelligence with that. But I do think... Um, that, you know, in this day and age where Internet powers so much stuff, it benefits us to really be aware of what we can do and even to learn a little bit of the language, you know, the terminology um, behind this stuff. So that if you hear different terms and somebody says to you, well, maybe you ought to get a mesh network or maybe um, maybe you should have, uh, you know, uh, two separate uh, networks at each of the frequencies or, you know, something like that, then you have at least a little bit of an idea what it is that they're talking about. So we're going to, you know, and try it, not to get too technical here. Um, and Matt, 
Yeah. Just a suggestion. I know this is very, what's the word? Elementary. (laughs) Um, But a lot of people I find don't understand the difference between cellular and Wi-Fi. Um, You know, like, you know, when we'll say, okay, are you connected to cellular? You know, you might want to just back up just a little and talk about the connectivity issues um, that you have, you know, in terms of how you access the outside world. <laughs> well, yeah, I think I think that's a good idea because it, it really is part of that whole picture. And and you're right. So, you know, we're, we're going to, as I said, we're not going to try to get too technical here, but, you know, we want to help you out as much as we can. And I think the first thing to do is to talk about the types of Internet that there are. And really, that's where, Rita, what you're saying uh, can, can fit beautifully into that. Um, so basically... Uh, we are looking at different types of internet service that a person can have. And Trina Rita just mentioned cellular. So let, let's just get that one out of the way first. Your cellular internet, your cellular data, as it's known, uh, is, is obviously, as its name suggests, is powered by um, cell towers, right? You have different towers throughout the country, all over the place, and, and they, they are sending signal your device can receive those and it has cellular radios in it and it can um, use that to give you a data connection besides a, you know, a, a, a voice connection, also a data connection so that you can surf the web, you know, use FaceTime, watch movies, whatever over the internet, even when you are not on your home internet. And of course our iPhones all have cellular um, capability, obviously, because they are phones. And also, many iPads that we get also have cellular capability now. They offer the Wi-Fi plus cellular models, and they always have. And this means you can, uh, you know, you can get an internet connection right on your, um, on your iPad. Um, now, the, the, you know, there are other types of internet that are more traditionally thought of as uh, being useful for, you know, homes and businesses. And uh, these are, uh, there's a variety of them. We'll just cover a few. Um, The most common ones right now are probably uh, cable, DSL, and fiber. And then there's a couple others that I'll mention in a moment. But those three, let's uh, let's just talk briefly about that. Cable is, of course, you know, makes you think of traditional cable, like, you know, cable TV. You got coax lines running to your home. Those actually are powered by fiber networks on the, on the back end, like from the company. But when they come to your home, they come in the form of, uh, you know, coax or coaxial cable that runs to your home. And, uh, basically this is one of the best kinds of internet you can have. And, and even as a cord cutter who doesn't use traditional cable TV, I still think cable internet is one of the best that you can get in this country. Um, they're, they're able to get very, very fast speeds. And I will talk about uh, one aspect of this that's uh, a kind of a myth uh, in a few minutes, but not yet. I'll come back to that. Um, the next kind I mentioned is digital subscriber line or known as DSL, which is using traditional copper phone lines. And it is by far the worst that you can get um, at this point in time, unless you're using something like dial-up, uh, which pretty much nobody uses at this point, I would say. Um, DSL, unfortunately, there are still some areas in this country where that's the only thing that's readily available. Um, 
though that's changing with a couple of the others that we'll talk about in a minute. But uh, DSL, you just, you know, again, it uses copper phone lines. Those were invented decades before internet was even a thing. And they're just not really capable of transmitting at the fast speeds that they need to. And when you start to try to push faster speeds through them, they can become very, very, it's not a clear signal. And so you can have a lot of problems. And so people are moving away from DSL, uh, you know, as quickly as they can. Um, What a lot of phone companies have done, you know, who were traditionally thought of as phone companies, or you'll hear them called telcos, um, is that they've abandoned DSL in favor of um, fiber internet. Now, this is where a fiber optic line is run directly to a person's home. It is actually known as fiber to the home uh, internet. And, and this is, you know, there's no other, there's no coax lines or anything. You get a fiber line right to your home. Um, Verizon probably made this most popular in, in mainstream uh, communities by uh, branding it Fios. Lots and lots of people have heard of Fios, which is really just fiber internet. Um, but other companies are doing it too. AT&T has fiber internet. Um, and, uh, there's a lot of other places that have fiber internet. It's very good internet. It's really, really good, uh, on a par with cable. I would say in some cases, maybe even a little better if you define better as faster speeds, it just depends who the cable company is and who the fiber company is. Um, so what's the problem? Why don't we have fiber to every home? in the United States, even the contiguous United States. And the answer to that is because it is insanely expensive to run fiber. And when I say insanely expensive, I'm talking thousands of dollars a square foot. It is unbelievably expensive to run fiber to every home. And so that's why you're not seeing a faster, more aggressive rollout of fiber to every home. And as good as fiber is, I think there are some companies who are thinking that it's probably not the future. And maybe even cable internet, as good as it is, is not the long-term future. Although I think that it has a lot of life left in it, as does fiber. But I don't know if either one of them is really the future if you look, you know, 50, 75 years into the future. So what is the future? And, and it's two other, it, it's really one other kind of internet that we, we need to talk about, sort of two, um, but one's far better than the other. Um, so the one that we'll talk about and just get this out of the way is satellite internet. Now it's not, I don't know that that's necessarily the future. I don't know that it's quite good enough to be. Um, there have been some real tremendous steps taken in the past couple of years by companies uh, like um, Elon Musk, you know, the Tesla guy uh, and the SpaceX guy um, started a company called Starlink. And he's doing something pretty innovative, which is launching these low Earth orbit satellites, which um, can do a better job of delivering satellite internet. Um, there was a serious problem with satellite internet before, and um, it, was a, it was a thing called latency. And with when it comes to internet connections, latency is the amount of time it takes for 
your internet connection to respond, essentially. I'm oversimplifying it a bit. But in other words, if you click on a link or you click on a video, how long does it take for your internet connection to realize what you've done and then send back the appropriate information? And that's latency, response time, in other words. Uh, It's often in the parlance of, of, you know, internet and and networking. It's often known as ping, P-I-N-G. And uh, you want that number to be as low as it possibly can be because of satellite internet having to travel all the way up into space, it often had really, really high ping, really, really high latency. And the problem with this is if you're doing things like um, shopping on eBay and every second counts because you got to get that bid in there at the right moment, or if you're doing online gaming, or if you're doing even voice chat, you know, FaceTime, um, what else? Um, Zoom, those kinds of things then the latency with traditional satellite internet was just too, too high to really make that effective. So for years, satellite internet was not ideal unless you lived somewhere where that was really your only option. You know, it was faster than slow DSL, um, but the latency really made it uh, rather unusable for a lot of tasks. This Starlink internet that Elon Musk has released, and I think Amazon is working on one as well, is, is totally different. At least they say it is because it is, he's positioning the satellites in a far lower orbit around the earth. And the claim is that because it's a lower orbit, it's going to have lower latency. It's going to do a better job uh, of back more quickly. And the goal really is to keep the ping or the latency number under, uh, 100 milliseconds, under 50 would be even better. What we see with like Comcast uh, cable internet often ranges from about 12 to about 25, that milliseconds, okay? That's where you really want to be. But, you know, if we can at least keep it under 50, 100 in worst case scenario uh, milliseconds, then we're going to be all right to do these kinds of things like Zoom and, you know, eBay and all that. And supposedly they've achieved that with Starlink. And supposedly, you know, they're getting decent connection speeds and it's, you know, pretty good. Um, it's no less expensive than uh, one of Comcast's most high-end packages, to be honest with you. Uh, so, it, you know, it doesn't make sense for a, a cable internet customer to look at it. But if you have DSL or something, yes, you know, it definitely is uh, uh, a much better experience than that, I would say. So that's a, a form of internet that may or may not be... Um, part of the future of internet. If, if there were one reason to say that it will be, it's because it can reach far more places than any other kind of internet, right? So it's much, much easier to take um, satellite internet, you know, out to Zanzibar somewhere or Zimbabwe or places that, you know, otherwise may not get internet access at all. And even some rural parts of, of the United States and Canada um, you know, we can get better internet to these places much more quickly and at a much more reasonable cost overall, um, both to the companies and the consumers. So there may be a place for satellite internet for a while. Um, but I think the one that really is going to be a big, big thing is wire, true wireless internet. Now, don't be confused. You're using wireless internet even if you have cable or fiber. You're using it every day if you're using an iPhone or iPad because you're using Wi-Fi, okay? So that's wireless. But when I say wireless internet, 
I mean something different. I mean that the individual home has no direct connection. What they have is like a, a, a sort of a tower or antenna of sorts that's put on the side of their house or somewhere else, you know, and it can access radio frequencies from internet services. And one of the most, this can take several different forms. One of the most well-known right now is 5G home internet. Now, 5G, that's another one of these million-dollar terms, right? You've heard of 4G, LTE, 5G. What are all those things? Those are generations of, of wireless speeds that cell companies offer, these cell phone companies, okay? 5G is the latest um, standard of um, cellular data speed. And it is as good as LTE is, 5G is, is even light years ahead of that. Because 5G, especially if you use ultra-wideband 5G, you can get really, really fast internet. You can do it very inexpensively. And I believe it's the future. Now, it's still going to take a while for that internet to get everywhere, okay? It's, it's not even close right now. AT&T, T-Mobile, Verizon, they all offer 5G internet to the home. Um, and again, that's in addition to the 5G that they offer on cell phones, okay? This is the one where they put a, a 5G um, antenna or tower of sorts right on your home, you know, and you can, all right, so they, they're offering that in places. But it's not everywhere in the country. And I think it'll be a while until it is. I think that's the ultimate goal. Uh, but I think that's going to take time. So don't be confused. If you have 5G on your iPhone, because you live in an area that supports 5G, that doesn't mean that you have 5G home internet. All right. They're two different things. 5G home internet has to be a lot more robust and has to, again, require something special installed on your home, something special installed in your city or town in order for it to be placed, you know, in a place that your home can receive it. So a lot of things still have to happen, even though it's simpler and less expensive than maybe, you know, fiber internet, it's still a lot has to happen for 5G home internet to really be uh, ubiquitous throughout the country. So, you know, there are some other sort of in between types of internet that I'm not going to get into. Those are the main ones that we talk about right now. True wireless, which could be 5G. It could be fixed wireless. There's different things there. And then, of course, as I said, satellite. And we talked about cable, fiber, and DSL. So which one should I choose? You know, I'm shopping for internet. Which one do we look for? Well, that is one of those things that, unfortunately, is not going to be the uh, same answer for everybody because... Um, depending on where you live, you're going to have limitations. If you, um, if you do a Google search for internet service in 15279, whatever your zip code, you know, internet service in, and then put your zip code, you will get um, results for websites that will try to show you the internet services that are available in your area. And they usually do a pretty good job of showing you. Uh, that's another service that TTJ offers too. You know, we, we offer those free consults and that's part of a free consult is letting you know what internet service is available in your area. Um, everybody has different options depending on where they live. The key thing that I would say though is, you know, I hate to disparage an entire 
type of internet here, but I would really say try to avoid DSL at all costs. Um, it's just not the way of the future. It's not, um, it's not fast. And in many areas, it's not fast enough to support the things that we want to be able to do with our devices at this point in time. Um, now, there is a, there is a, a half-truth. And I said I'd come back to this, a myth. Uh, but it's sort of a half-truth that the DSL companies will try to tell you to entice you. And they'll say something like this. Oh, well, I know we're only offering 10 megabits per second internet. And I know, you know, Comcast's starting package is 25 megabits. They go all the way up to 1,000. But here's the thing, uh, customer who doesn't know any better. Uh, you will be better off with DSL because it's your own private connection. So you're really going to get those 10 megabits per second. Absolutely. But if you have 25 megs from Comcast and you share that you, you, you live on a street with six other people, uh, you're sharing that connection with all six people. So now you got to divide 25 by six and you're really only getting that. Okay. So, so it's a half truth at best. It's a half truth at worst. It's an outright lie, but it's, it's kind of more in the middle. Um, it is true that most times cable connections are shared with people on your street. Okay. The cable service comes through fiber lines to what's known as a head end uh, or a, you know, a, something on your street. And then that same unit serves, you know, five, six, eight, ten people, however many live on your street. Okay. So that is true. But with most cable companies, Certainly the major ones, Comcast and uh, Spectrum or whatever they're called now. And, you know, these major ones with most of those companies, they're able to dedicate the lines enough and the speeds are so fast and so consistent that it isn't really going to be a noticeable problem. Not only that, it's not it's not simple math. Like like I said, the DSL people will try to say. If you, if you have a 100 meg connection and you got 10 people living on the street, you're only going to get 10 megs. That's not how it works. Everybody has access to all 100 megabits per second. And it just, it, 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 it's theoretically possible that if two of you were using it at the same time, you might only get 50. But even that is probably about a, one in a million chance of happening because you're not constantly pulling from that connection right? Even when you watch a movie, you're not pulling from that connection the whole time. You're going to stream the movie, but it's going to store that movie in, in like a cache memory, like a buffer. So you're not really, you're not doing that the whole time. You're not, you know, if, if the movie is uh, eight gigabytes in size, even if you're not downloading it, even if you're watching it, you know, on Apple TV or using Netflix or something that you're not going to be downloading eight gigabytes the entire time. It's going gonna, it's gonna to stream what it needs to when it needs to. So it's not, you're not taking someone else's connection and they're not taking it from you. It's, it really isn't going to have that kind of effect on people. And, and it never really has to that great of an extent. It's just a ploy that the DSL companies try to tell you in order to, you know, to earn or keep your business. But in, in reality, it doesn't play out that way. So it's... Uh, you're always going to be better off with a cable connection, a fiber connection, um, or even a satellite or wireless connection. But if you go with satellite, make sure you go with Starlink. That is the only company at this point 
that I can honestly recommend when it comes to satellite internet, because as I said, they're the only ones doing this low earth orbit stuff. And they're the only ones that don't cap the um, internet speed, uh, the amount of what you download. A lot of other satellite companies have really, really low data caps. So you want to avoid that. Um, Now, sorry, guys, I accidentally lost my speaker. We're back. Went off. Okay. Next question I often get is what speed is right? You know, how much speed do I really need? Now, I I tend to believe that internet speed is kind of like money and device storage and cloud storage. You'll always find a use for it. Whatever you can reasonably afford, get the most you can. Don't skimp with internet speed, okay? But if we have to look at, at minimums, and that's really, really hard to do. It's very difficult to quantify because there are so many variables. How many people do you have living in your home? Is it just you? Is it two of you? Is it a family? How many in the family? Do you get a lot of company? Do you let them use your Wi-Fi? Well, how many devices do you have? What do people do on these devices, right? So we could do a whole interview and still maybe not be 100% sure of what the minimum speed is that would work for you, which is why I always say get the most you reasonably can. Not everybody agrees with me on that philosophy. Some say, oh, you don't need to do that. I'm telling you, you will find a use for it. Get the most you can reasonably afford. Now, if you have to put a number to it, I will tell you that TTJ, when we go to, which we're not doing a whole lot of right now because of all the COVID insanity, but when we go to customer homes or businesses and actually go in and do installations of like Apple TVs and, and, and things of that nature. In 2021, 22, this time frame now, if a customer doesn't have at least 20 megabits per second, they have to sign a waiver saying that they know their internet is, is below our recommendations and that they will not hold us responsible if they, if they don't get what they're looking for, you know, if their TV buffers and isn't playing their movies with their, you know, six megabit per second internet connection, they can't call me and say, Hey, I'm going to sue you because this isn't working as well as, as it, it was promised to. Well, it wasn't promised to because your connection isn't good enough to support it. So 20 megabits per second is the cutoff where if it's below that, they have to sign something. And even 20 is really low. Um, direct TV stream, which is our, TV streaming service, uh, live TV service of choice for TTJ in 2021-22, they actually say on their website, they want you to have at least 25 megabits per second to uh, use their, um, you know, their, their service. And that's for one person. So if you have four people in the home and all four of them plan on watching TV at the same time on different devices, now you need way more than that. Okay, so again, minimum 20 to 30 megabits per second at this point. And by the way, that MBPS that you see, that's not megabytes, it's megabits. There are eight megabits in one megabyte. Just be that's just a little trivia for you. So um, you want to get the most that you can get in in this category. Um, If if you want to know what your current speed is, um. There are, there are some great apps that do that. My favorite right now is Speed Test by Ookla. You, you, I think it's U-K-L-A, but if you just search Speed Test, it's probably the first one that comes up in the app store. Um, 
and there are it, it will give you lots of knots of information. Um, it'll tell you your your ping or your latency, your response in, in milliseconds. Um, it'll tell you your jitter. That's another number you want to be as low as possible. Um, good jitter is you know single digits. Um, double digit jitter, eh, it's still all right if it doesn't get too too high. Uh, but best is single digit jitter, and that again is measured in in uh, in milliseconds. And then it'll tell you your speed, upload and download. And the download speed is really the key thing. Uh, you want decent upload speed as well. But most internet connections in this country don't offer you as high of upload speeds as they do download speeds. Okay. There are a few companies like the fiber companies that offer the same thing upload as they do download. That's called symmetrical internet speed, like one gigabit down, one gigabit up. Okay. But the majority of companies say, look, for us to invest in offering that to you, the expense is not going to be worth it. And if we pass the expense on to you, you're not going to like it. And for most people, you don't need it because you're not uploading as much as you are downloading. Even if you're doing, you know, like we do YouTube videos that we publish and stuff, it's still not that big of a deal. So like our connection, for example, in our home, it's a 1200 megabits per second download speed and a 40 megabits per second upload speed. That is still plenty to do really, really awesome stuff, even when you're uploading. So you'll be aware of that when you see the numbers that in most homes, in most cases, your upload speed is going to be far lower than your download speed. Uh, see what you're getting. Now, you're probably not going to get exactly what the service says. Like cable companies, you'll always notice the words up to. And especially with these really high connections like gigabit, which is a thousand megabits per second, or you know what ours is in, with Comcast. 1200, you currently will never see that over Wi-Fi because the hardware in our devices, and it's not just Apple, it's, it's all the companies out there, Android, Windows PCs, the, the hardware, the, the Wi-Fi modems, even though they support these latest Wi-Fi standards, they're just not going to be able to deliver those speeds, right? So Comcast, for example, when they when I do speed tests through their app, you know they advise me that having an iPhone as I do, I can expect to see you know 350 megabits per second download. Maybe I often see more than that. I often see four to six hundred megabits per second. So I'm actually doing better than what they say that I should be doing. But I don't see a thousand in my speed test app. Okay, now I can actually do something unique, which is I can test the speed that my modem from Comcast is actually getting. And then I do see a thousand. Then I've actually seen more than what I'm paying for. I've seen sometimes like 1350 megabits per second, and I'm only paying for 1200. And it still fluctuates. Sometimes I see eight or 900 because it, it does depend a little bit on, on traffic and what else is going on. But you see, I, I can test both. So um, it's a good thing to do these speed tests. Again, you, you don't need to be, you know, if you're not getting the exact number on the dot that you're paying for, that's okay. But you want to be getting somewhere close and you want to be getting something decent. Um, now we're going to talk, when we get into Wi-Fi here, we're going to talk about how to properly do those tests too, because that also matters. And that leads me to the next topic, which is Wi-Fi. This is really big because now you can have a really, really good internet connection 
But if you have poor Wi-Fi, it doesn't make any difference. So with Wi-Fi, there's a couple of things to keep in mind, okay? Now, how are we getting our Wi-Fi? You can get it several ways. Your internet provider may sell or rent you or give you a modem that also has Wi-Fi built in. They usually call those gateways. And it's like a modem and router combo. And it has Wi-Fi. So you only need one device. In a lot of the homes of today, uh, that's not enough. And so there are options, okay? Why is that not enough? Because Wi-Fi, with Wi-Fi, distance really matters. Distance is a huge factor with Wi-Fi. When I first started out in this business and, and, you know, first started out with Wi-Fi in our home and stuff, I found it hard to believe. You know, I thought that as long as your internet connection was good, anywhere in your home that you could get Wi-Fi would be transmitting that same uh, internet connection. And so I would still have it, right? You know, whether or not I uh, am, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of an analogy here. Uh, whether if you hear me singing in the same room or you hear it three rooms down the hall, it's still the same song. So that's kind of what I believed when we first got internet service. That is not the case. I was completely wrong on that. I don't fully understand it, but for whatever reason, the further you get from the Wi-Fi router, the more that signal, the more that speed degrades. Okay. And so you need to figure out how to get Wi-Fi through your entire home. Now, there are some obvious things that you can do without buying anything extra, and they may or may not work. Um, for one thing, you can make sure that uh, you keep your Wi-Fi router out in the open, okay? There's sometimes a bit of a conflict between aesthetics and functionality when it comes to some of this technology and putting your Wi-Fi router in a cabinet on a bottom shelf somewhere, much as you might want to, is really not the best way to do it, okay? That Wi-Fi router needs to be, whether it's built into the modem or it's a separate device, needs to kind of be, you know, out in the open, up a little bit higher. I mean, you don't have to hang it from the ceiling, uh, you know, but just up a little bit higher so that it's, it's you know, and, and then the second thing is keep it not too close to other devices. Now, when I say not too close, I mean, we have our Wi-Fi router sitting on a, an entertainment center, which also has our TV on it and also has, you know, some other electronic devices. It's not that you can't have them nearby each other, but I wouldn't put it on top of another device. I wouldn't put the Wi-Fi router on top of your microwave, um, you know, something like that. Um, there's some, you know, some issues with that. So you just keep it, you know, a few inches apart, at least from, from some of the other devices that you have. Now, one big factor that can influence Wi-Fi speed in a lot of homes is building material. The construction of a home, especially older homes, the metals that were used and so forth, and some of this, you know, there's not much you can do about it, um, really do affect the speed of your Wi-Fi. So, you know, those are a couple of, um, uh, of tips that right off the bat are, are worth looking at. But in a lot of cases, people are going to need to supplement with something in order to get better coverage in, in larger homes. And so there are a few options that we recommend for homes and really only one that, that I can honestly say I'd recommend. Um, 
let's get the ones out of the way that I don't recommend. Uh, the ones that I don't recommend, I, uh, um, extenders or repeaters. Um, they're very easy to work with. Uh, many of them even just look like a little, um, almost like one of those, uh, uh, like a, a nightlight or like those Glade plug-in or air wick things, you know, that you can actually plug right into an outlet. And that's all there is to it. So they look cool. Uh, they kind of stay out of the way. They're often very easy to set up because they can, with one or two button presses, they can just mirror the name of your existing Wi-Fi network. And you're supposed to be able to seamlessly just flow right from one to the other. The problem is in practice, it doesn't work well. There are two reasons it doesn't work well. The first reason it doesn't work well is because of the technology that's used. It often causes problems with what's known as handshaking. Now, what in the world is handshake when we talk about internet or, or when we talk about networking, period? It's the transition from one network to another. So when you are pulling into the driveway and you've been using FaceTime on a cellular connection and then it switches to Wi-Fi, and you're still on FaceTime, that's a handshake, okay? And when you are using a repeater or an extender, there has to be a handshake between the network that the extender is broadcasting and the network that the router is broadcasting. Oftentimes, our devices, because of the way the technology is implemented, our devices cannot properly handshake. And so you will have a dead zone where you totally lose connection or, you know, other th if you're using something like FaceTime, you might lose the call when you walk back the hallway or something, you know, and that is caused by handshake issues. Okay. Um, and so this is why I don't care for repeaters uh, or, or extenders. Comcast offers a system of what they call XFi pods that's supposed to be placed all around your home. And, and then that's supposed to really boost your network. But what I came to find out over time is they're really just extenders and they acted like it too when I used them and trainer cliff remembers this, you know, I'd, I'd walk back the hall and I'd have a period of time where like in a zoom call, you just couldn't hear me, you know, and then I'd get to the room that was further away and I eventually it would be okay again, but it, it didn't, it didn't really do a, a great job of handshaking. And with the Comcast ones, you could reset them and then they'd work well for a while again, but it would just degrade over time. It's so it's not the best implementation. Okay. The best implementation for a home is something called a mesh network. And in a lot of ways, it looks the same on the surface because you're placing pods or whatever you want to call them around the home. But the technology is completely different. Each of these systems is broadcasting and extending the Wi-Fi network that you have. And in the case of uh, our favorite one, the Eero, E-E-R-O, um, each Eero uh, device that you get is actually its own Wi-Fi router. So you are getting true networks across the home. And um, they sell them, for example, in a pack of three. You have to plug one into your existing Wi-Fi router or your modem. And then they, they actually guide you in the Eero app. E-E-R-O, which by the way, Eero is owned by Amazon or a subsidiary of Amazon or something. Um, but they, the app actually guides you uh, as to where to place the second and third device. You know, you try a spot and it says, this isn't, this isn't strong enough. Try moving it, you know, whatever. And, and so you can find the perfect location for all three of these Eros. One of them, again, being connected to the 
um, to the router. This is the best system that I've ever used. Um, I have the Eero Pro, actually, um, but even the regular Eero is excellent. Um, and um, I think the only difference between the Pro and the regular is how many bands of Wi-Fi they use, which we won't get into that. I'm not even sure I have the knowledge to get into that. But I think that one is a tri-band and one is not. Um, but basically, this is, as I said, the best one that I have ever worked with. The Eero Pro, Eero devices, they're really, really good. Okay. Now, there are others that also are pretty decent. Um, Google makes in their Nest system, they used to call it Google Wi-Fi. Now they make Nest Wi-Fi. And the Nest Wi-Fi uh, pods or whatever they call them actually have Google Assistant built into them. So you get smart speakers with your Wi-Fi points and you can, you know, talk to them and so forth. So that's a, a, an added bonus, I suppose, um, if, if it's, you know, reasonable to put them in a place that makes sense to do that. Uh, another very popular one, which is sold on the uh, on the Apple online store, Eros used to be, um, but now I'm seeing the Linksys Velop or VLOP uh, routers on the um, on the Apple store. And again, they sell like one and then they sell a pack of three or four. And again, you know, same concept, mesh network, right? And so this is, you know, again, there may be one brand that's a little bit stronger, or a little bit better than the other, but on the whole, any mesh system you get, if it truly is a mesh system, is going to be the way to go. Uh, I think it was Google in the advertising for their Google Wi-Fi system that used to say, you're, you know, you blanket your home with Wi-Fi. And that was probably the neatest way I've ever heard that described because it really does. It's, you know, it's covering the whole house with the Eros. I have no handshake issues. And I, I, even though speed will still degrade by the way, okay, you're still not going to see the same speed at the opposite end of your home as you do when standing right beside your wireless router. And that brings me to back to what I said, we'd come full circle and we'd talk about how to properly do a speed test. Like anything else, I don't think one speed test is good enough to determine anything, okay? You've got to do a series of them. And when I go into people's homes to do Wi-Fi diagnostics, and by the way, if you order like an Apple TV through me and I'm doing an install in your actual home, when I come in there, I'll probably spend 10 minutes analyzing your internet before we do any install, okay? And the reason for that is because I'm doing multiple speed tests and I'll move around the house. And I'll say, all right, you bought two Apple TVs. Where are you putting them? Well, one's going to be in the same room as the router, but one's going to be in the bedroom at the opposite end of the house. All right, so now we have to do speed tests in both places. And we have to make sure, and because you're getting Apple TV, you're also going to be able to watch on your iPad. So now we got to check it in the kitchen and out on the back deck. We got to check everywhere around your home and see what the internet speed is. It's not going to be the same throughout the whole house. It's just not, okay? Even with a good mesh system. So for example, with my Eero system uh, that we have at our house, we our Eero gives us, when I'm close to the router, I can get those numbers that I said to you, like between 400 and 600 megabits per second download speed on average. Depends on the day, depends on a lot of factors, but on average. Um, opposite end of the house in my son's room, which is the farthest room from the, the Wi-Fi router, much to his dismay because he's a gamer and he loves, you know, he needs good ping numbers and good download and all this. But in his room, 
with the Eero Pro system, I can still get about 100 megabits per second, which is plenty. I mean, he may not think it's funny, but it's plenty. And, and so it's a decent speed still to do anything that you want to do at that opposite end of the house. What you don't want to see is a significant drop off like, well, I can get, you know, three or four hundred by the router, but then I go to the opposite end of the house and I'm getting two or ten. You don't want to see that because that's going to spell trouble. And so you, you need to have decent numbers all throughout the house. But do understand, don't expect it to be exactly the same throughout the house. You are still going to lose speed. But what the mesh systems do better than anything is the consistency, the reliability from one end of the house to the other should not change. It should remain consistent. Now, there's one other thing that I want to talk about, and then I'll, I'll see what the other instructors want to add. And then, of course, we'll take questions. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is network frequencies because this does matter and you'll hear about this you'll hear somebody say to you all right i'm going to create two networks for you one at the 2.4 gigahertz and one at the 5 gigahertz frequency and some people will even write like 5g on the network name And that is really confusing to people because 5G is that cellular thing, right? So now they see, uh, you know, John Smith's home network with a parentheses 5G. Oh, I have 5G. No, you don't. They're not even close to the same thing. Somebody's trying to abbreviate 5 gigahertz, which has nothing to do with 5G cellular data internet. So it's two totally different things. If you see 5G with a home router network, it's not the 5G that you might think it is. But here's why it matters. There's two schools of thought. 2.4 gigahertz and 5 gigahertz. They're two separate frequencies at which Wi-Fi can be broadcast. Oftentimes, 5 gigahertz is short range, very fast speed. 2.4 gigahertz is slower speed. You'll never be able to get 2.4 gigahertz up to the same download speeds as 5 gigahertz Wi-Fi, but it's much, much farther range. So again, you have two schools of thought. You have tech people who will connect your Wi-Fi router for you and set it up for you, and they will create two separate networks for you. And they'll say, look, these two networks will operate together you know, you, you, you put certain devices on one and, and the other will still work because they can talk to each other. And that's all true. Okay. Um, so like, even if I'm on a five gigahertz network and my printer is on a 2.4 gigahertz, they'll still talk to each other. All right. It's the same Wi-Fi network, just different frequencies. They can communicate even though they show up as two separate networks. doesn't matter. Uh, but they'll say when you're, you know, close to your router, or when you're, you know, streaming movies or something, make sure you're on that five gigahertz network. Okay. This was the old way of doing things. And the thinking behind it was you were in complete control. So you could switch to the network you needed when you needed to do something really fast, where speed really mattered, you could go on the five gig one. And when you needed to be further away from the Wi-Fi, you go to the two 2.4. What we found out 
over time. And, and by the way, that's the way I used to do it too, back in probably, you know, 2012, 2013, you know, those that around there, what we learned was that there were some significant problems with doing it that way. Uh, the first problem that we saw by doing this is that most people are not sitting still. They're moving around. And so this is what would happen. Your phone, your iPad, whatever device you happen to have with you is always going to go for the strongest Wi-Fi signal because it's smart enough to know the thing that I didn't know for a while, which is that speed degrades the further you with distance, right? We said that. So it's always going to try to join the strongest Wi-Fi network. So what was happening is people would start out on the five gigahertz network where they really wanted to be. And then they'd go to the other end of the house. They'd make, you know, go to the kitchen to make the snack, take a shower, whatever. And unknowingly, unwittingly, their device was switching to the 2.4 gigahertz network. Why? Because it was now strongest and the other one was too weak. So it would automatically switch to the 2.4 gigahertz network. The problem was when they'd go back to the room with the router in it, it wouldn't switch back to the five gigahertz network. And of course not. There's no reason for it to because the 2.4 network is just as strong. So there's no reason for it to think it needs to switch to the other network. So the problem was people were ending up on the network they didn't really want to be on and were not getting the speeds that they needed to get. The other problem that we have found with doing it this way, with separating out the two networks like that, is a lot of these smart home devices like smart plugs, printers even, um, uh, some other devices are not able to join five gigahertz networks. You have to put them on 2.4 gigahertz networks. And this actually occurred to my parents the other day. I didn't set up their Wi-Fi network as I like to remind them all the time and pick on them about, all right? But the, the company that did set up their Wi-Fi network broadcasted as two separate networks. And so my dad calls me up the other day and he says, I'm trying to add, install this uh, Wemo mini smart plug to put on one of my lights and it won't install. It keeps telling me can't connect to Wi-Fi. And I said, dad, what network is your phone on? Well, it's on Volbrecht 5, 5, whatever they're calling it, 5Z, which is their 5 gigahertz. I said, well, that's the problem. I said, you're going to have to switch your phone to the 2.4 gigahertz network, factory reset the smart plug, set it up again. This time it'll work. And then once you are, once that's set up for, you know, and it's up and running, remember to switch your phone back to the 5 gigahertz network and it'll work. And that's exactly what they did. And of course it did work, praise God. But the point is these kinds of things are the reason that we don't do it that way anymore in most circles. What we do now is we broadcast, broadcast one hybrid network and the band steering technology and the different technologies in our devices are usually smart enough to be able to successfully switch back and forth from whichever frequency they need to broadcast at at the given time. And most of the time that works just fine. And honestly, if it doesn't, you're probably never going to know it unless you do a speed test and realize oh, I'm only getting 100 megabits per second where I should be getting 500, you know? And so then what do you do if you really care? Well, you flip it to turn your Wi-Fi off for 30 seconds or restart your device, whatever. But that's rare. Most of the time it does just fine of automatically knowing which frequency it should use. And so you're going to have 
the perfect hybrid network, just one network name instead of two. Everything joins that. And most devices won't have any problem with it. I've actually seen one or two um, kind of like smart devices and stuff that won't join hybrid networks. They'll only join 2.4, but that's really, really rare. Usually, if you have a hybrid network, the device can tell and it, it, it still does a, a fine job with it. So, you know, that is as a, a tech person, when I do installations for people, that is my preference. And I don't fault anybody or criticize them if they do it the other way, but I, I think it has disadvantages to do it the other way. Uh, the Eero and the Google, uh, they do it that way too. They, they do one, you know, one hybrid network. You might be able to go into your settings and change that. I don't even know because I never tried, but, um, you know, typically they do that. They set it up as one network, which I think is overall more beneficial to people. So there's been a lot of information here. A lot of million-dollar terms, a lot of jargon, and I hope it hasn't overwhelmed you completely, but I hope it's given you an idea of some of the kinds of things to look for. Um, remember, you can always listen back again. It'll be in the archives. Now, we're going to take questions, but before we do that, I would like to have Cliff and Rita jump in and see if there's anything they'd like to add or you know, anything they'd like to say about their own experiences here or whatever else they might want to contribute. Well, um, okay, you can hear me all right? Yes, we can. Yeah, 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 okay. Uh, you evidently got good I, Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I uh, really do recommend one of these mesh systems uh, for, we, we purchased the Google one that it's got. There's the one we purchased has three, round units they look like a little uh, you know, round circle about three inches in diameter two inches tall and i put one on each floor of the house and it really has helped with the distribution you know i can go out in my yard and i can still be connected uh it it really has made a difference and i think we paid three hundred dollars for the unit uh, way over a year ago. Uh, so I don't know what they're running at right now, but I really do recommend one of these. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. Absolutely. And I, I think just people need to, you know, it gets confusing when you, especially when you're talking to uh, vendors or different carriers, you know, you're if you're trying to make some decision about switching or you're, you're talking to your current provider, you know what I mean? You got to get, if there's something you don't understand, you got to back them up and go describe this to me, you know, explain this, you know, why am I paying for this? What am I getting for it? Um, what can be improved, you know, kind of thing. Um, you really got to kind of be a little bit educated as to the terminology so you know you're you're not getting something that you don't understand from the carrier i mean you're paying a fee you know to have internet to your home and it's so critical and we are so dependent you know on these devices that you know like um you know my thermostat now is you know is on you know, the Wi-Fi, the um, light switch, there's several lights I've got are on it. I've got 
smart speakers, um, if you've got plugs, you know, you could walk around a typical person's home. Well, let me say, if you walked around Matt's home, you could probably... <laughs> You could probably count about a hundred devices. I would guess. Like, I, it's a, it's amazing. You walk into a room and you go, "That's connected. That's connected. That's connected. That's connected." <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's a phenomenal <laughs> the devices you can have. And um, I know there's been fear in the community in the past about the security of, of, you know, wireless devices, you know, being connected, but I re we really, this is the way to go, quite frankly. I mean, don't be afraid of it. As long as your network is secure, okay, there's some whole issues about, you, you, you want to make sure that, you know, your passwords are strong when you, when you connect, uh, you know, devices, you, you want to make sure that, not a lot of people have access to your passwords, you know, um, and I'm, I'm being really vague in terms of this terminology, but um, if you set it up right, all of these connected devices can change your life. You That's know, right. Like, That's right. You know, um, I've got a friend, um, very sick. Um, he was very sick and he needed somebody to bring him food. Okay. And his door was locked and he was too sick to get out of bed, say, uh, or incapable. Well, he was able to go on to his iPad and unlock his door, yep. you know, for that person yep. to let him in, you know, kind of thing, th just things like that, that, that change our lives, you know, Absolutely. That, you know, you walk into a room and you say, turn on the lights, you, you, you talk to your speaker and you say, adjust the, the temperature. Uh, these things really do enhance our lives. And sometimes they're, their life saving, <laughs> you know? Yeah. We're, we're going to be doing a presentation in two weeks right here on ACB. Uh, in two weeks, we're going to be doing, I think I've called it living the connected digital life. It's one of oh, my favorite, good. favorite presentations to do. I've done it for other groups and it is all about what Rita's talking about, you know, just a, a day in the, or maybe that's what it was a day in the connected digital life. I think that's the title of the, of the presentation. And, you know, we're just going to go through a day in our typical, families and homes and jobs and how we use technology throughout the day. And it is, it's amazing. And you got to have this good, you know, internet backbone in order to really support that. And the other thing I'll just add to what Rita said about security, which I'm glad you brought it up, Rita, because I, I don't know why it's just kind of over my head there. But you know, these devices, there's a really cool thing on our iPhones and iPads that if you get somebody over to your house and they say, Hey, what's your Wi-Fi password? I need to connect to your internet. Well, maybe you're okay with that. Maybe you're not. But if you're not comfortable telling them your password, there's a feature on these Apple devices. Now, the person has to be in your contacts. It's not going to work if they're not in your contacts. They got to be in your contacts. You want to be in signed into iCloud, have Wi-Fi and Bluetooth turned on, all the you know usual things. But you can when they you tell them which network is yours. They go into their settings and they tap on your network name. When your device sees that they're trying to join it, that to, to join um, your network, it'll pop up a little thing and it'll say, do you want to share your Wi-Fi password with, you know, uh, Thomas's iPhone or whatever it is, you know? And 
you just hit share. It instantly transmits your password into their device without them ever seeing it. It's, it's you know, a hidden password field anyway, and they, they don't ever see it and they're instantly connected. It is one of the coolest things and, and great for security. If you do stuff like that, and also, you know, when you're out on public Wi-Fi networks, you know, maybe don't do your banking while, <laughs> while you're out on a public network, you know, those kinds of common sense things and, and you'll be just fine. Um, anything else? Trainer Cliff, anything you want to add into the mix here? By the way, you have uh, 30 minutes. That is correct. He may have muted. He may not be able to unmute it this second. Well, Cliff, if you think of anything and you want to add it in, just whenever you're ready, you can interject it. And in the meantime, yeah, why don't we, uh, was anything else, Rita, that you wanted to? Okay. Uh, no, I'm good. Go, uh, go for okay. it. I think. Uh, All right. Let's do some questions. questions yeah. 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 Okay. Before I, um, before I take questions, uh, I'll go over the commands to raise your hand and to unmute. Um, if you're on a PC, the, the command to raise your hand is Alt-Y. On a Mac, it's Option-Y. On the smartphone, um, you'll find a raise hand button right there on your screen. And on a touchtone phone, it will be star 9. Now to unmute, and you will have to have permission to unmute. So, um, but anyway, those commands are uh, Alt-A on a PC, Command-Shift-A on the Mac. Uh, again, you'll see uh, an unmute button on your uh, smartphone. And on the touchtone phone, it is star six. So... Uh, as I said, I'm going to have to give you permission to unmute. So you'll hear a message that says something like, the host is inviting you to speak. And when you hear that, you can either uh, use your Alt-A, Command-Shift-A, or um, Star-6. Um, and I will uh, lower your hands. Uh, when when you have finished speaking. So, uh, let's see. Our first, our first participant is Karen M. You may unmute. Hi. I would just like to um, thank you, as always, Matt, for having these sessions. I would just like to let everyone know that Matt is completely correct about DSL. Um, I am the type of person who, if I'm with one company, I will stay with them to the bitter end. But what happened is once I started to attend Zoom meetings, I was kicked out so many times with my DSL. It was crazy. So finally, I contacted my cable company. I got a package, They, which a good package included a gigabyte of um, internet and life has changed for me. So um, I, would, I would highly recommend you if you're still trying to deal with your DSL or forbid dial-up 
anything, any of that old stuff, you know, just, just bite the bullet, reach out to your providers or the competing providers in your area and become updated. It makes a world of difference. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, next we have, I don't know how to say this name. It looks looks like either Neural or Nyral. Yes, it's, it's Neural. Okay, go ahead. Hi there. I, I have a quick question for you. Um, if I have a dual band network, uh, 2.4 and 5G, well, of course, in my room is 5G, you know, and, and I have it. Not only I have, I have actually kind of hardwired, so I get the best speed, you know. Um, now, um, and then my dad's in the basement, and I have a set to 2.4 because, you know, the 5G does not even reach at that, you know, at that distance. Right, right. But if I have one of the mesh network, will that, sorry, will that, will that actually increase the speed to like 100 megs or 200 megs if I use a mesh network? If, if you're so if, if that's the speed that you are supposed to be getting and you can get it on the five gigahertz, I, um, five gigahertz, five gigahertz, I get up, up I have to speed up to 500 megs. Sometimes okay. I get it over, even I sometimes I would test it, it, it on, a, on a good day, I might even get over 500 megs. Okay, okay, so in theory, yes, it would do that if you got a mesh system and just did one big network instead of two. And in theory, that is what would happen in the basement. Now, I, I'm not comfortable saying 100% for certain that that would happen because there are so many variables in that. Like I said earlier with, you know, building material, distance, all this stuff. But yeah, I would, I think that's a fairly safe assumption that that's okay. what would happen. Yes. I got yes. And then my other question is this, okay? I have a couple of smart devices here, like a thermostat, and, you know, I have a little smart light in my bedroom and all that. But I find it easier to connect it to an Alexa device versus an Apple device, because the Apple, they always ask you for the serial code and all that of the device. Is there an app that I could download if I have everything already connected to my Alexa device they could force it to my to my Apple device. I could just ask Siri, and it'll just you know it'll just see what's there. So, really, the only way to properly use those kinds of devices with Siri is to add them into the home app, and to um, you know, in order to do that, you often do need that HomeKit setup code. Now, if you you know if you can learn where. I'm assuming you're totally blind just based on what you're describing. Yeah. But if, if somebody can show you, you know, hey, it's on this side. So maybe next time you could scan it and you don't have to have somebody read it to you because now you know where it is. You know, the other option is have somebody read it to you and write it down in your notes app. Or there are actually a couple apps on the app store that See, are that's designed. Like, there's a couple yeah. of apps you said that would help. Well, there's a, there's a couple of apps that are designed to store HomeKit codes specifically, uh, I've never used them because I, I feel like why not just put them in your in your Apple Notes app, you know? Because but, it's so easier to pair with an Alexa where it just, you just talk to it and it just finds it versus an app versus Siri and home, you know, and HomeKit. Yeah, like so Alexa what, what's so happening there is it's 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 two different uh, technologies, which is why it works differently. So Alexa, just just to give you a background on this, you probably didn't ask for this, but I just to, you know. Um, that lady, because I got one right over here, so I'm not going to say it again, but she um, 
that works through account linking. So like if your smart plug is, you know, iDevices or Wemo or, you know, Belkin, whatever it is, you're basically linking that account with your username and password to your Amazon A-L-E-X-A account. Whereas with, with Apple, you are directly communicating with the device without any account in the middle, which they've done for security reasons. It's a, you know, it's a more, nothing against Amazon. I have Echoes also, but it, you know, the, the home kit system is a more secure system. And that's one of the reasons why, because you're actually communicating directly with the device instead of through an account. And so that's the reason that they need that setup code as, as annoying as that can be at times. Um, that's the reason, but you know, the good news is once you do it once, you're probably not going to have to do it again, unless there's some really crazy reason that you need to factory reset it or something. Um, so yeah, that's unfortunately the best I can tell you on that. Yeah. Okay. And then one last thing I was going to say real quick that having strong passcode is very, is very secure. is very prudent. Uh, like, you know, I still remember back in the day when you said web, the EP, Oh yeah, that, can, that is so insecure. That can be cracked. Like, you know, you need WPA is good, but WPSK is probably the most secure way of having it. You know? Yeah, yeah. You definitely want to have those those more secure protocols, and then have a nice strong password to go with it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, All right. Thank you. Next, we have Pam Coffee. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, my question is, if a person wasn't sure whether their Wi-Fi, their internet is uh, fiber or DSL, is there a place in settings where they can find that out or would they have to contact their internet provider to find yeah. that out? Unfortunately, the only official way would be to contact the provider or go online and see, you know, what it says if you could do that. But there's some some common sense ways that you probably can tell, um, you know, for for one thing, if you know what speeds you're getting by doing that speed test app, you're probably going to be able to tell because most DSL with a few exceptions but most DSL is going to be like 20 megabits per second or lower in speed. And most fiber speeds are going to be, you know, significantly higher than that. And so if mm-hmm. you're doing a, you know, a speed test and you're seeing, you know, five or 10 megabits, that's not fiber internet. The other, the other thing that you can do is if you know what the devices are. So fiber connects very specifically through um, a connection that actually is put on the outside of the home and then comes in through the, you know, the wall or whatever to uh, something inside called an optical network terminal. That whole box is called an ONT or an optical network terminal. And then your router, they give you a Wi-Fi router, usually from fiber places, um, is connected directly to that. So if you were to feel or the person were to, you know, feel or look at their device, that their router device, if it seems to be connected into something that just keeps going beyond what they can reach or see, that's probably mm-hmm. fiber. Um, DSL is connected direct phone jack. So you'll have a modem that is connected to a phone jack. And uh, that is, you know, another way to tell as well. Okay. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Okay. Next we have 
we have Desi. Go ahead. Hi, thanks, Diane and, Hi and there. Uh, Matt Hi there. and the team. Hi, Matt. Um, I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. I happen to live in a mobile home that is an older mobile home, so um, it does have metal on the outside. I do have the dreaded DSL, but actually um, I'm speaking to you through it right now. And I think for the most part, it works quite well. Um, But the company provided me with a modem router combination unit. And I am wondering, first of all, if there is a better unit that I could get to replace that with. That's my first question. Okay. Okay. Um, do you want me to answer that one first or do you want to ask me both first? It's up to you. I don't either way. Okay. Well, and the, and the other one is, you know, with, with DSL, would I, would I get help by having a mesh um, network? Okay. Those are both really good questions. Um, do you know what your average speed is? Have you done any speed tests to see what speed you're actually oh, getting? Gosh. You know, I, I, I do have the speed test um, app, but I, I haven't done that recently, so I'm not sure. Okay. All right. So it, it, here's the thing. The first question, I don't know what you know particular company you have or what hardware, what equipment they're using. So it's hard to answer if there is something better. It, it's certainly a reasonable possibility that there might be. Um, but I, I am not a huge fan. Again, it's just a personal preference. I don't, you know, criticize anybody who's done it, but I'm not a huge fan of buying my own modem because what I like about the fact that I'm, you know, even though I'm paying every single month to, to rent that modem that I have, I also have the confidence of knowing that in the unlikely event, something happens to that modem. It is not on me. It's on them. And, you right. know, I can, a couple of years ago, that actually happened. I think it was in 2018 or 19, woke up one morning and just terrible internet, you know, and, or no internet, mm. something like that. And, uh, you know, I, I called Comcast. Oh, yeah, we can see you got an issue, whatever. And they were literally out within two or three hours and had replaced the modem with a brand new one. You know, oh, so that cool. is something yeah. that you're not going to get the benefit of if you don't have the company's modem. Now, you know, obviously... Mm-hmm. If, if Wi-Fi is an issue, the best thing to do is to supplement that with a mesh network. But your second question was right on target, which is with the speeds that DSL provides, is there going to be much benefit to doing a mesh system? Mm-hmm. And I would say that it is going to depend on the drastic difference that you're experiencing from one end of the house to the other. So let's just say hypothetically, your DSL speed is 15 megabits per second. And let's mm-hmm. say you're getting 15 when you stand by the modem or the router. And then at the other end of the house, you're getting like 0.29. Yeah, you, <laughs> you probably you, know, you probably would benefit from a mesh system because even though 15 isn't going to go very far and there's no cushion. See, the thing about that is th- that's the other issue with it is there's no cushion there. You know what I mean? You lose mm-hmm. a couple megabits and you're, you're in trouble. But mm-hmm. it, there's a good possibility that the mesh will improve that. But mm-hmm. if it's, you know, if it's lower speeds or it's not really a noticeable difference between the uh, one end of the house and the other, then uh, you might say that it isn't worth it, you know? Um, okay. So, yeah, it's a, it's a tough question to answer, but I think the place to start 
is to do a speed test at different locations throughout your home and see what you're getting now and then kind of right go from there. right yeah and that yeah. speed test app does does give you all those figures right Right. It gives you ping, jitter, download, upload, and even sometimes packet loss, which that's another thing you don't really want to see. You either want to see packet loss not available or 0% loss, because if it's a measurable number of packet loss, that will affect things like Zoom calls. And, and you do sound pretty good right now. Uh, so oh, you know, you. it leads yeah. me to think that it's a pretty stable connection. But yeah, you get all that information in that app. Okay. I, I've used it before, but it's been a while. I do have it on my phone. So um, after this call, I probably will go check that out. There you go. Yeah. No. Well, thank you. So, um, so if my speeds, what optimally would I be getting if I have, um, if, since this is a DSL connection, my optimal speed that I might expect at the high end would be. Hard to say because, you know, DSL, they've been known to try to push that by, bonding dsl copper lines together and they can sometimes squeeze you know 30 or 40 megabits per second out of it but it's more mm. commonly it's more commonly you know 10 to 20 um okay. you know again with the quality of your voice right now i've got to believe it's on the higher end of that but um yeah I, I'll, you know i'll be curious what you do actually get you know okay yeah well um Next time you have this call, I'll come back and tell you what it there was. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, Matt. Um, you've always been a tremendous help to me in many situations, so I appreciate you very much. And and Rita and Cliff, too. I just, you guys are great. Thanks. Well, thank you so much. We certainly appreciate it. Okay, next is Ken Mitchell. Go ahead. Uh, yes, can you hear me? We sure can. How you doing? Okay. Hey, Matt. I'm doing fine. Thank you. Uh, yes, and thank you for coming. So I, I'm going to ask a question. You may have already implied the answer to it, but I need to ask it for clarification for my own need or sake. Um, so I'm talking now about an iPhone, and it's con- I've connected to cable, and it, I have the modem router with Wi-Fi. And uh, what I'm experiencing on on sometimes sometimes when I give a command to Siri saying, you know, what's the weather outside or open this application or, you know, give it some type of command. Siri will come back and say one sec still on it. And then it'll finally say something went wrong. Please try again later. And uh, so I can't get connected. But on the other hand, when I connect to the Internet um, or YouTube or something like that, I've never had a, a, had the system stall on me. But when I ask Siri to do things, it like I said, it, it will it will stall. And then it takes, you know, quite a while before I can finally get a connection. OK. What OK. Be, what? Yeah. Yep. Makes perfect sense. And and the, the answer, unfortunately, is probably not going to be quite as simple as you would have hoped. But there are several different reasons that I've seen this happen. Now, every once in a great while, and it is rare, but on rare occasions, it's actually because Apple is doing something to Siri. You know, they're always tweaking Siri in the background. And every once in a blue moon, you will notice it because of that. And then if that happens, it's just a matter of restarting your phone or waiting a couple hours and it usually resolves itself. Um, but it's funny how, how often they tweak 
if you really pay attention to Siri, you'll notice sometimes there's just little subtle differences in the way she pronounces things even, you know? So I think they're constantly working on Siri. I remember this one time and I'm almost sad that they did, that they fixed it because it, it used to make me laugh every time. It was a very short period of time where she mispronounced the word <clears throat> reply and you'd ask her to send a message and, and she'd read it back to you. And then she'd say, or that she, you'd ask her to read someone's message and they'd say, you know, uh, Kathy said, hi, how are you? And then she'd say, want to reply? And <laughs> I used to love that. But uh, anyhow, so it, it, you know, they're, they're constantly tweaking it. That, that's item number one to consider. The second thing, about 10 minutes, if it actually is only happening when you're on your Wi-Fi and it's not happening anywhere else, but all the rest of your internet is fine, as you described, when you're on your Wi-Fi, the first thing I would do there is I would try restarting the Wi-Fi router. Yeah. If, if that problem persists and you've isolated it to, it definitely is only when I'm on Wi-Fi, you know, then it's a whole other animal because it may be some sort of, um, it may be some sort of, I don't even want to use the term firewall because you may not have a firewall active on your router, but there may be various settings that the internet company or that the equipment itself has employed in order to what they think is protecting you or something like that. And it's actually causing delays or, you know, total failures in, in certain applications. And that is going to be extremely difficult to diagnose unless you are a real, uh, you'd have to be above my pay grade. And I consider myself pretty knowledgeable, praise God, but that, that would be above my pay grade in knowing what, you know, you really need a a professional network expert or just a new device, a new modem, Um, you know, because it's, it's, it it can, there can be some weird stuff. It's, It's not often that it happens, but like I said, if you can really, really isolate it and say for certain that, yep, it's only when I'm on Wi-Fi, it works fine everywhere else, then we need to start thinking about maybe getting a new modem or at least try a restart of the modem first and see if that doesn't clear things up for a while. Yeah. Yeah, question before he go before you go, is it it's only on Wi-Fi? Like when you're out on your cellular cellular network and you talk to Siri, it, its responsiveness is fine, yes? Uh, yes, when I'm out, uh, when I'm using the cell, cellular, uh, it's fine. Uh, but uh, yes, and okay, I've, see, I've also restart. I've also restarted the modem quite a few times, and that doesn't seem to help. Doesn't seem to so, help. How how old or new is that modem? Uh, the modem probably is about three years old. You might just you know, contact the internet company and ask if they have a newer one that you're eligible for. And, you know, the other thing is I, um, if you want to send me, uh, at, at send to support at ttjtech.net, um, yeah. the, a gentleman, you've probably seen his name on the list. Sometimes Tim Kilborn, he is, uh, just a brilliant guy. And because of what he does, he has to know some of this stuff. And, and he just, I mean, he's the guy I go to when I don't know something and I'd be curious to run this. I don't know that he'd consider himself a network expert, but he's probably a step above my knowledge, at least because he for a living has to, you know, he's contracted to do like business setups and, you know, education deployments and stuff. And so he may have seen or know of a specific setting. I mean, it could be a really, really simple setting, in the Wi-Fi settings for your modem that I just don't know what it is, you know, 
Um, but it definitely okay. sounds like it is it is related to that Wi-Fi hardware for sure. So, you know, you may just try other... getting a new one if they'll, you know. Okay, well, you thank you other... very much. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Okay, uh, now you have... You have uh, 30 minutes and one hand raised. Not one, not 30 minutes, six minutes. Six minutes, yeah, there we go. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> so, Joanne, go ahead. Okay, thank you. Um, I love this presentation. I don't know anything about routers or Wi-Fi or anything, um, but... Um, this is very helpful for me um, because my oh, husband good. did all that kind of stuff and he passed away six months ago. So I don't know anything about oh, wow. um, <laughs> uh, routers and stuff, but um, the two questions I had were um, I've been having trouble with my Wi-Fi and my internet. Um, I get kicked off of zoom a lot. Fortunately today has been really good, which I'm wondering sometimes if it can be affected by weather but um, also, I don't know how to restart. Like, I know that where the button is in the back of the router. Should Am I supposed to just push it like twice fast or hold it in? Or how do you reboot like that? Honestly, because I don't know exactly which equipment you have, um, probably your best bet is simply to unplug it for 30 seconds and then plug it back in to power. Okay. And, and then you'll have to wait, you know, four or five minutes maybe for it to be able to be, you know, usable again, because it sometimes takes a little bit of time for it to lock into the, the network and, you know, everything. But um, yeah, that's, that's, you know, pretty much a um, across the board and a, a standard way of rebooting things like that. Oh, okay. And, okay. And your carrier, you're paying a carrier for this service, right? You know, well, uh, we, we bought, we bought our own, we have a Netgear um, router, a router modem thing. Okay, and then who's the internet provider there? Um, uh, Comcast. Okay, so yeah, with Comcast, I mean, I, I, you shouldn't really have much trouble, if any. And and they're, you know, they're good too. About, you know, if you call eight one eight hundred Xfinity and you, you know, or or use the app, you know, and explain to them, uh, you know, that you are visually impaired. Your husband used to do this. That's no longer a possibility. And you would like some help in seeing why your internet is not more reliable or whatever. You know, they, they will be pretty happy to oblige. And most of their techs are really good. You know, they used to be, oh, well, you're not going to get good speed on Wi-Fi or, oh, it's not our fault kind of thing. But they have come around a lot in okay. the past five to 10 years um, because they realize Wi-Fi is so important, you know? Right. And, um, and, and so I, I think you'd have a good shot at getting a, a, a reasonably good uh, technician who would be very capable and willing to help you out there. Okay. And the only other question I had is um, that speed test uh, app, is it free or is it paid? You know, it's been so long since I got that, but mm -hmm. I think it's free. I am fairly certain that one's free. Um, okay, I'm going to check it out. But I thank, yeah. thank you for all the information, Matt. I really appreciate Absolutely. it. And if you need anything else, you know, support at ttjtech.net. Um, you can, you know, send us questions. And we have help sessions every Tuesday that are free, um, which you can, um, you can come in and uh, we use Zoom. And you can ask your questions. You know, everybody gets a turn, kind of like if you were going to a, 
doctor's appointment, wait your turn, and then you're up and you have the floor, you know? Okay. So okay. if you need anything. Yep. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Okay. Now we have two more hands and three minutes. Okay. Well, we'll so see what we, we can do, I guess. We'll, we'll give it a shot. <laughs> okay. All right, Diana, you may uh, unmute. Okay, I'll try to make this quick. I'm a T-Mobile customer, and um, I'm basically holding on to my internet, which is Cox, um, just for the, I mean, I'm sorry, holding on to my internet, to Cox, mainly just for my internet. I don't watch that much TV. Anyway, they're wanting to charge me if I went internet only, uh, $85 a month just for 100 megabits per second. Um, um, have you had much experience or do you much, can you talk to um, the new 5G, like the modem and all that that comes from T-Mobile now that they introduced that thing was probably six months ago or so? Would that it, be possible to switch? Is that a good alternative? If, if Trainer Cliff is here, he can tell you firsthand because he tested it. Um, I think it's probably about 50 megabits per second. And his biggest issue with it was there was a device limit. You could only have like five devices or something connected to it, which is far below what he has. Um, $85 a month for 100 megabits per second. Hmm. I, I would think that you could do a, they could do a little bit better, but it's, it's also not totally out of the realm of what you might expect either um and chances yeah, are it's I'm pretty reliable they're pretty, they're pretty set i think they know that you know that a lot of people are cutting the cord and all that stuff and i yeah, think that they yeah. just decided nope sorry and, and it's pretty reliable internet for that price you know that their, their internet i think is probably you know, i will say very reliable yeah um, but I, I was just wondering about the whole the whole 5g uh through t-mobile because i did the speed test just now on my phone just right on my phone this t-mobile uh, and it, it was, I was shocked. <laughs> it was like, I did it twice. It was 80, 80 megabits per second one time. And the first time it was a hundred megabits per second. Wow. And that's, that's connected to your Wi-Fi or. No, no. Oh, that's just, that's just T-Mobile. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it, it might be worth looking into then, you know, you certainly could give them a call, but also, you know, again, send us an email and we can talk further because it, I, I would like Cliff to weigh in on it because he tested it personally. Okay, what, what is your email address again, oh, please? Su it's support at TTJ Tech, Tango, Tango, Juliet, and then the word tech, T-E-C-H dot net dot N-E-T, support at TTJ Tech dot net. TTJ Tech dot net. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. Yeah, we, we need to wrap up. Okay, I okay. Well, if whoever had a question yet, again, same deal, support at ttjtech.net. You can ask your question. Uh, visit our website at www.ttjtech.net. Uh, we've got free classes, paid training, and lots of other opportunities for you to get your questions answered. So I want to thank you so much for this opportunity today. God bless you and have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week.